Get ready for a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda. All right, well, who's up for some orange marmalade? She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes. Well, thank you, Raven, for that warm, warm welcome. And hello there, my friends. Good day to you all. Welcome back to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda, and it is time to bring you the headlines from all of the entertainment news sources. Today is August the 9th, and here are some of the stories we will be looking at. We have some Wonder Woman rumors, a new Lizzo update, a new streaming service is launching, Taylor Swift, the return of a gold medalist, the box office breakdown, and more. Get comfy, everyone, and let's get started. Back in 2021, during a conversation with the Vision Foundation, which is a London site lost charity, Dame Judy Dench revealed that she had started to lose her eyesight and was having her close friends to help her memorize her new scripts by reading them aloud to her as the repetition of the dialogue helped her, which honestly, that's an awesome set of friends, truly. Well, Judy Dench's latest update on her deteriorating eyesight is that she can no longer see on the set of a film. Speaking to the Sunday Mirror via The Guardian, the Oscar winner said losing her ability to see has been the most terrible shock to the system and added, it's ghastly. It's terrible to be so dependent on people. She went on to say, I mean, I can't see on a film set anymore, and I can't see to read, so I can't see much. But, you know, you just deal with it. You get on. It's difficult for me if I have any length of a part. I haven't yet found a way, because I have so many friends who will teach me the script, but I have a photographic memory. Now, Denge appeared back on the Graham Norton show earlier this year and said that learning scripts had become impossible because of her eyesight loss and she said her photographic memory could no longer help her she went on to say i need to find a machine that not only teaches me my lines but also tells me where they appear on the page i used to find it very easy to learn lines and remember them i could do the whole of 12th night right now unquote and i'd actually pay to see her do 12th night again Dench picked up an Oscar nomination back in 2022 for her supporting performance in Kenneth Branagh's Belfast. And she also had a cameo in Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds' Christmas musical comedy, Spirited. I absolutely love Judy Dench. She has been such a, an absolutely beautiful and talented addition to Hollywood. I loved her as M in the James Bond series, and I loved her in as Arion in Chronicles of Riddick. That was just it was such a small part, but she just did such a beautiful job. And she's just got this majestic personality on screen. So 
it's just going to be really sad to not be able to see her performances anymore. And she's not indicating she's quitting or retiring anytime soon. She's legitimately trying to find a way to continue to perform. She loves to perform and she's wonderful at it. So I'm hoping that she can find this next way of doing things and come back and hopefully we'll see her on screen again sometime later this year. So Gal Gadot is keeping the hope for a Wonder Woman 3 alive, despite some pretty big changes going on at DC Studios. In an interview with ComicBook.com while promoting her upcoming Netflix action movie, Heart of Stone, Gadot alluded to hearing from the new bosses, James Gunn and Peter Safran, about developing a third Wonder Woman movie together. Gadot said when she was asked, I love portraying Wonder Woman. It's so close and dear to my heart and from what I've heard from James and Peter is that we're going to develop a Wonder Woman 3 together, unquote. Well, you know, we can hope, right? Gadot originally did the role of Wonder Woman in Zack Snyder's DC Universe. In deba- uh, she did her debut in, it was Batman versus Superman, Dot of Justice, before it led to her own standalone films, and there were two of them, Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 1984. Godot's Wonder Woman also appeared in Justice League and had some cameos in films as Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Her two standalone Wonder Woman films, though, were directed by Patty Jenkins. The two were developing Wonder Woman 3 together when Gunn and Safran were named the new heads of DC Studios. Godot did an amazing job as Wonder Woman, honestly. I, you know, and I loved watching Linda Carter in the role when I was growing up, watching the TV series. So it was a little bittersweet to see the role move on, but I really believe they picked a pretty worthy successor. Last December, news broke that Gadot and Jenkins' Wonder Woman 3 had fallen apart after Warner Brothers' leadership passed on Patty Jenkins' treatment for the sequel. Jenkins then publicly exited the project, and the news hit shortly after Gunn and Safran took the reins of DC Studios and announced They're overhauling the whole universe, which really kind of led to speculation that Jenkins had rebuffed efforts to reshape Wonder Woman 3 to fit the new DC universe. Now, Jenkins shared in a post on Twitter and said, I never walked away. I was open to considering anything asked of me, but it was my understanding that there was nothing I could do to move forward at this time. DC is obviously buried in changes that they're having to make, so... I understand these decisions are difficult right now, unquote. Well, roughly an hour after Jenkins posted that statement, Gunn supported her on Twitter and said, I can attest that all of Peter and my interactions with you were only pleasant and professional, unquote. The changes that are being made by Gunn and Saffron are making a lot of fans nervous, and it's really impacting the box office. Black Adam didn't do all that great. Shazam 2 really did super poorly. Uh, The Flash just crumpled uh, under the expectations. And a lot of people are just disenfranchised by the idea that this is all going to be changing. Why am I going to get so involved with a universe that's about to be rebooted? And it's really going to remain to to be seen how the future box office is going to be affected, too. We have two other DC films coming out. August 18th is the first one with the release of Blue Beetle. Then we still have Aquaman 2 coming out. And that one has its own controversies. We'll cover that one a little bit later uh, as as the year progresses. But 
I'm curious to see how this is going to play. I'd love to see Gal come back as Wonder Woman one more time, at least. The first two movies were, were great. I think they were on the right track with a storyline with it. So I'd love to see Patty Jenkins come back on board for a third. It's just maybe with the shakeup and all of the restructuring, it was a good idea for her to step back, let everything settle, let the dust clear, and then come back on board to help with the new treatment of the third movie. So hopefully we'll see a little bit more information come out about that in the next coming months. Uh, but I'm definitely going to be watching the box office to see how Blue Beetle does in a couple weeks. NASA is boldly going where others have gone before? Wait, what? There's yet another streaming service that's been announced, but this one is going to be free and run by the government. The space agency of NASA has announced that it has its own streaming service coming soon called NASA Plus, and it will be completely free. According to their announcement, they said, see more rockets, more science, and more space. I couldn't agree more with you, Space Corps. NASA Plus won't have any ads or subscription options. Well, that's different. So thankfully, this one is not going to add to your existing monthly bill. But what it will have includes a collection of original video series and live coverage of NASA missions. Look, after all, NASA's working to put humans back on the moon and working on going to Mars. So Now's a really good time to start getting people excited about space with this new streaming service. NASA Plus will be available on most major platforms through the NASA app on iOS and Android. And users can also stream content through the Roku, Apple TV, Fire TV, and just via the web. Now, in addition to launching NASA Plus, NASA is also going to be revamping its website. As mentioned, NASA is sending humans back to the moon. It's called the Artemis Program, and that began with the launch of an uncrewed Artemis 1 back in November of 2022. It orbited around the moon, didn't come down for a landing. But Artemis 2, which will launch in November of 24, is going to take a crew of human astronauts to the moon. But it's not going to be until 2025 with the Artemis 3, if everything goes to plan, that humans will actually land on the moon again to conduct further research. So if, once again, all goes to plan... It will be the first time since the Apollo 17 back in 1972 that humans visited the lunar surface. We're whales on the moon. We carry a harpoon. But there ain't no whales, so we tell tall tales and sing our whaling tune. I don't recall that we left any whalers on the moon, but I guess when we go back in a couple of years, we'll find them, right? Well, after that mission, NASA plans to send an astronaut to Mars. Well, NASA's latest rocket launch took place back on August the 1st with a ship heading to the International Space Station carrying supplies. And finally, going back to the moon, I guess we really will be able to witness the confirmation whether the moon is not or is made of cheese. It's been a minute, tell me how you're healing, cause I'm about to get into my feelings, how you feeling? The singing feel sensation right Lizzo has been making some pretty huge headlines lately, but not for reasons she's really wanting. The singer who shot to fame calling out her bullies is being accused of actually being one. Now, I covered the initial reports of this lawsuit against her in my last podcast, and the story has just grown significantly since then. So let's start with this. Who exactly is Lizzo? Well, Lizzo is a feminist icon, really, and a champion of body positivity. 
Her lyrics are filled with encouragements of self-love and empowerment. Own your curves, dump that man, cash the checks. So go the commandments of the esteemed Church of Lizzo, where millions of acolytes worship and find acceptance. The 35-year-old has made a name for herself as a fun and effervescent performer who encourages kindness and consideration for others. And for years, she's been calling out the bullies and she's been advocating for anybody who's ever felt discriminated against or ostracized. I mean, she's a very big icon. It is this alleged authenticity that has propelled her to stardom. During her performance on Glastonbury's Pyramid stage earlier this year, the crowd was just belting her anthems back to her with unbridled passion, which included lyrics such as, in case nobody told you today, you're special, like this. I mean, those lyrics seem pretty positive to me. Well, Lizzo made her fans feel seen and heard, and her image started gracing magazine covers, including Vogue and Elle and Vanity Fair. And this marked a new era in the entertainment and fashion industry where skinny wasn't always the precursor to success. But the news broke last week that the singer and her production company, Big Girl Big Touring, was being sued by three former dancers, and her fans were stunned. A list of accusations by Ariana Davis, Crystal Williams, and Noel Rodriguez included sexual, religious, and racial harassment, discrimination, false imprisonment, fat shaming, and creating a hostile work environment. And according to the suit, Lizzo allegedly pressured one dancer to touch a nude performer at a club in Amsterdam and subjected several dancers to an excruciating 12-hour audition. The 44-page lawsuit, 44 pages, Filed in Los Angeles listed a series of sobering allegations, which includes Davis's accusation that Lizzo told her she seemed less committed to her role, which was understood as a thinly veiled comment about her weight. Well, since then, a number of Lizzo's ex-colleagues, including another former dancer, Courtney, Courtney Hollenquist, former creative director Quinn Wilson, and the filmmaker Sophia Nali Allison, have come forward in support of the lawsuit, not of Lizzo, the lawsuit. On Instagram, Allison, who was actually hired by Lizzo to direct her 2022 documentary, Love Lizzo, described the singer as arrogant, self-centered, and unkind. She also went to claim that Lizzo creates an extremely toxic and hostile work environment and just undermines the work, the labor, and authority of other black and brown women in the process. In the aftermath of the breaking story, several appearances have been canceled for Lizzo. One of the most prolific ones is the Jay-Z's Made in America Music Festival, which was set to take place over Labor Day weekend in Philadelphia, with Lizzo and SZA as headliners. But that's now been canceled due to, quote, severe circumstances outside of production control. And Beyonce even appeared to skip Lizzo's name in a performance of her Break My Soul remix, which goes on to list iconic female musicians in the lyrics. And this was during a recent concert in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Very sobering allegations indeed, and her fans are just really having a hard time with this. In fact, since the allegations have come out, Lizzo's lost over, I think the number was 220,000 followers on Instagram so far. I mean, that's a small potatoes number, honestly. She's got over 13.3 million followers on Instagram. 
but the discourse in her post right now they're just showing a lot of concern about the accuracy of the lawsuit and at least one of her accusers has been friends with lizzo since before she was famous so there seems to to add some accuracy uh to the claims and that's what a lot of people have worried that they've been worshiping this wonderful person that may not be so you know wonderful and a lot of people are replying you know why bite the hand that feeds you unless the hand is actually the problem so early in 2002 wwe executive chairman vince mcmahon was quoted as saying i'm going to kill my creation and while back then it was just a raw promo for a storyline it may have been a sign of things to come 20 plus years later. Federal law enforcement agents ex executed a search warrant and served a federal grand jury subpoena to the WWE chairman last month. And this is according to a regulatory filing. McMahon is currently taking medical leave from the sports entertainment company following recent spinal surgery. WWE said in the filing with the Security and Exchange Commission that while government investigations into McMahon remain ongoing, no charges have been brought into them yet. The company did say that it has received voluntary and compulsory legal demands for documents, including from federal law enforcement and regulatory agencies, concerning this investigation and related subject matters. WWE has cooperated throughout and fully understands and respects the government's need for a complete process, according to the company in a statement. While the Wall Street Journal reported last year that WWE was investigating an alleged $3 million payment from McMahon to a departing female employee following a consensual affair. WWE's investigation into the misconduct allegations was completed last year, with McMahon taking a leave of absence and has since returned. The announcement of McMahon's surgery was made by the CEO, Nick Kahn, during the company's second quarter earnings call. McCon said that McMahon had the major spinal surgery nearly two weeks ago and is taking the leave in order to focus on his recovery, but did not specify the duration of the leave. Honestly, he probably has substantial damage from carrying the WWE brand on his back for all of these years. I'm Vince McMahon, damn it, let's hear it! I am the boss! Taylor Swift is going out in style, to the tune of about $55 million. On the eve of wrapping up the U.S. leg of her wildly successful Eras tour, Swift thanked a slew of crew members who have done some serious hefty lifting on the road with her, among them the tour's truck drivers, and gave them a healthy bonus. Showmotion is one of two transportation companies that's used by the tour, and Michael Schirkenbach, the founder and CEO said, my company handles transportation of the stage and structure, pretty much the skeleton that everything hangs on at the concert venue. So while Schirkenbach declined to disclose how many of his staff received this hefty bonus, he did say it was a total of nearly 50 members of the combined trucking crews. What did they get? About $100,000 a piece. This generous amount, he said, far exceeds the standard expected bonus. The typical amount is usually between five to ten thousand each, so this large amount is just unbelievable. 
Schirkenbach said his drivers were just flabbergasted when they were called into what they thought was a routine production meeting, and it was anything but that. They showed up, and then all of a sudden, Swift's father, Scott, made a surprise visit. Are you ready for it? Schirkenbach went on to say, The Taylor family is always present and kind to our drivers, but Scott generally doesn't lead the meeting. Scott gave a speech saying that he had discussed this with Taylor, and they thought that it was only right that everybody received a bonus. Taylor insisted on writing a handwritten note to each driver and added a wax seal on the envelope with her monogram. Okay, that's a pretty nice little personal touch. Each envelope stated the amount of the bonus. The drivers didn't want to be overly rude and look at it, but one looked and thought it said 1000 and then another driver saw it as 10000 and then the third said, this has to be a joke. Never in their wildest dreams, right? In addition to his staff, Schirkenbach said other tour crew members, including those in catering, video, audio, and lighting, also received bonuses. And after this, I really think they're all going to be singing her a love story. You might remember the name Zachary Ty Bryan. He was once a child actor and one of the stars of Home Improvement alongside Tim Allen and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. The show ran from 1992 until 1999. Both he and JTT also starred in many young girls' fantasies, gracing the covers of magazines such as Super Teen. Well, now Zachary is gracing covers again, but for not reasons he wanted and all the wrong reasons, really. The erstwhile sitcom star was arrested on July the 28th after police responded to a call for an alleged physical dispute between a male and a female at a residence in Eugene, Oregon. According to TMZ, which first reported the news, Brian wasn't present when officers arrived on scene but was later tracked down and taken into custody. The name of the female individual involved has not been revealed. Brian, who is now 41, was released from Lane County Jail in Oregon on August the 3rd, six days after his arrest, and has a court date set for September the 5th, according to court records. He's facing charges of fourth-degree assault, third-degree robbery, and a misdemeanor claim of harassment. Look, we loved your still photos back in the 90s, Zachary, but we're just not so fond of the mugshots. Ryan was previously arrested back in 2020 on charges of fourth-degree assault and strangulation of his girlfriend, Johnny Faye Cartwright, with whom he maintained a romantic relationship while he was married to Carly Matros, who is now his ex-wife. He ultimately pled guilty to two lesser charges of misdemeanor menacing and misdemeanor assault. Brian shares three, three children with Cartwright, with whom he got engaged back in 2021, and he has four children with Matros. In an investigation published by The Hollywood Reporter back in June, Brian said his 2020 assault charges got, quote, so blown out of proportion by the media, unquote. Let's be honest, a lot of things really do get blown up in the media. Brian said, we didn't even really get that physical. We got really loud. We were screaming, and because we were in a townhome that had thin walls, everyone could hear. And at the end of the day, the police throw a bunch of counts at you and because they ultimately want you to plead to something. I could have fought it, but that's more stress and drama. I got two misdemeanors and I called it a day, unquote. 
According to The Hollywood Reporter, he has also faced four DUI arrests and a default judgment in a breach of contract lawsuit. Kind of looks like his home isn't the only thing in need of improvement these days. How much is one of the rarest cards in Magic the Gathering worth? If you're a rapper with enough capital, at least two million, apparently. Well, that's the astonishing sum that Magic's Lord of the Rings card, The One Ring, was valued at, and it's now in the hands of Post Malone. Malone recently purchased the card for an undisclosed amount, relieving its original owner of the heavy responsibility of safeguarding it from the dark forces, or at the very least, preventing it from becoming another piece of fashionable jewelry worn around the neck of YouTuber Logan Paul, who became famous when he has now the most expensive Pokemon trading card sold at a private sale with a grade 10 Pikachu Illustrator card that set him back about $5 million, and he wears it on a chain around his neck. In a video that was posted to TikTok by the former One Ring owner, Brooke Trafton, Malone can be seen accepting the card, which is the only one of its kind in existence. I mean, I hope it is. It is the one ring after all. Sauron might be a little bit put out otherwise, but you know, then again, he did make nine rings for the race of men. Hmm. Trafton wrote on his TikTok caption, quote, when I found the one ring, the first person who came to mind was Post Malone. I have played Magic the Gathering since I was a kid, and obviously, it would be amazing to keep this card, but for a guy like me, being able to sell it is life-changing. I just really hoped it would go to someone who would appreciate it as much as I do. This is my dream come true. Meeting Post Malone and him buying the One Ring card for me is literally a moment straight out of a fairy tale, unquote. Now, it didn't take long for this mythical One Ring card to be found after it was first printed. Two weeks after the set launched in stores, it was claimed. The collectible grading firm, PSA, verified the authenticity of this card back in June, and they scored it a mint 9 on the firm's grading scale which just adds to its legend and its value. Now, for the sake of reference, a mint 10 is possible. Obviously, the Logan Paul card is a 10, but there are just so many things that can disqualify the 10 status that it's next to impossible to have. An errant printing mark, a small crease from the packaging, somebody stepping on it and and twisting just a little bit. I mean, all of a sudden, boom, you now have a 9. I mean... It's still balls to have a 9, to be honest, but a 10 is that legendary holy grail. Malone apparently is known in the collecting community as a very hardcore fan of Magic the Gathering collecting trading cards. So, I don't know, maybe perhaps he should be renamed to Malone, the Lord of the Cards, or Postcard Lord. Must have the pressure. Okay, who told Gollum about this and who let him in here? Nobody likes you. That is a personal attack and nobody asked you. Leave now and never come back. Yeah, that's what I thought. You better run. I don't know if this was really his goal, but he sure did do it. Kai Sanat is a popular Twitch.tv streamer, and he's known for broadcasting his everyday life while living at the AMP house alongside 
other popular content creators like Agent 00, Duke Dennis, and Just Phantom. And he has claimed several awards and records during his career, including uh, he had the Streamer of the Year Award at the 2022 uh, Streamy Awards. He is also currently has, I think they said, the most active subscribers on Twitch. And he broke the subscription record just this past February when he hit 306,621 subs. Okay, so what? Well, Sanat, who they call the newly crowned king of Twitch, announced on his Instagram and his Twitter back on August the 4th that he was doing a big New York IRL stream in live stream. And it was going to be complete with some kind of video game giveaway. Quote, be there, he said, unquote. And they, they, they showed up. I mean, literally thousands of people turned out for a shot at just seeing him and maybe getting some free stuff. And now he's been charged with inciting a riot and unlawful assembly. That really didn't go as well as expected, I suppose. Shortly after his announcement, Union Square in New York City filled filled with people, leaving traffic unable to move. Police, who, according to ABC News, had no advance notice of the event, were almost immediately overwhelmed. And in fairly short order, the crowd turned unruly, and minor injuries were starting to be reported. The crowd also caused damage to vehicles and other buildings in the area and had some altercations with officers. One witness said that Sanat was going to hand out PlayStation 5 consoles and accessories, although it's not clear whether any giveaway actually ended up taking place. An SUV that was presumed to be carrying Sanat eventually fled the scene at a relatively high speed with a number of people sitting on it or clinging to it. Several fell off and landed hard as the vehicle sped away. Little bit of real life Grand Theft Auto there. Later that afternoon, Sky News was reported that Sanat was in custody. In a press briefing, the NYPD chief of department, Jeffrey Madry, said quite a few arrests were made and confirmed that Sanat was currently in custody at the time and was being questioned about the event. Madry said that the legal department was looking into possible charges, including inciting a riot. He also suggested that the NYPD would look into stepping up its monitoring of social media, saying... We can't allow this to happen again in the future. Sanat was charged later that evening, but was released. An additional 65 arrests were made as well. Now, strangely, Sanat's social media went quiet after the event, but his representative did make a statement back on August the 7th expressing deep regret over what took place. And considering the charges, yeah, I'll just bet they have some regret. At the age of 26, Olympian Simone Biles is the most decorated gymnast in the world. Back in 2021, she had withdrawn from several finals at the Tokyo Games, citing mental health concerns and a case of the twisties, or what they call mid-air disorientation, before making a comeback and winning a bronze medal in the balance beam final that year. However, in June, after two years away, her return was announced. Her reemergence for the event is especially significant as it marks the last chance for athletes to qualify for the national championships in San Jose later this month as Olympic hopefuls are preparing for the 2024 Games in Paris. 
So ahead of the competition, her coaches, Cecile Cancoteau-Landy and Lauren Landy, told Sports Illustrated that Biles was in good place mentally and physically. Cancoteau-Landy said, We wouldn't be here if she had any hesitations. It's her will to be here. We're supportive. Biles still does admit that she still gets a little bit nervous, but she's proudly been working on her mental game. She said, I know my body is capable, it's prepared and all of that stuff, so I just have to trust my training. It was like a mental injury. So something like that, I knew with the proper work and the proper help, I could come back and hopefully have a shot. Okay, well, all that being said, how did she do at the competition and what does this mean for her Olympic hopes? I think, in my opinion, the gymnastics goat just may have returned in proper form. At the 2023 U.S. Classic in Chicago, back on the 4th, she made her comeback to the competitive world, and it, it really was if she'd never truly left. Biles finished in first place in the all-around, the vault, the floor routine, and the balance beam, placing third on the uneven bars. I do believe in my untrained opinion that that will place her in pretty great position to be able to make the team for Paris. Let's just hope that the only twisties that she deals with now are the cheddar cheese ones that come from Australia. Life's pretty straight without twisties. That commercial does make them look pretty good. I may have to go see if I can find me a bag of those. It's time for the box office breakdown. Welcome back, everybody, to the box office breakdown. Who took our top spots this week? We had some new releases to check out, so let's see how they did. Ladies and gentlemen, Barbenheimer is no more. Sort of. Barbie towered over the box office for the third consecutive weekend, taking down newcomers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, and Meg 2, The Trench. Greta Gerwig's fantasy comedy added a remarkable $53 million in its third weekend of release and has officially surpassed the $1 billion mark globally after just 17 days in the theaters. $1 million. Mm, nice try, Dr. Evil, but I said billion as, you know, with a B as in Barbie made a billion. Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer also stayed strong in its third outing with $28.7 million, so it's still in the top five with a very strong performance. The R-rated historical drama has grossed $552 million at the worldwide box office, becoming the director's sixth film to cross the $500 million mark. But what we'll, we'll bopped it down a spot to number three? Meg to the Trench opened in second place with $30 million, it's a pretty decent start, although it's a significant drop from the original 2018 film, which opened to $45 million and became a surprise smash with $530 million globally. Yay, sharks! In fourth place, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem pulled in a pretty solid $28 million for its first five days of release. Pretty cool beans. It actually only cost $70 million to produce, which is way less. Then recent animated offerings such as Pixar's Elemental, that was $200 million, and Sony's $100 million for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. They're on track to making some pretty good money on this one. I like turtles. You know what? I like turtles too. And pizza. 
Love pizza, my dude. But with no anchovies. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? See, Mikey's got the right idea on this one. Disney's Haunted Mansion remake dropped to number five with $9 million. The spooky film, which was curiously released in July, has only grossed $42 million in North America and $59 million globally to date. It's shaping up to be a serious theatrical misfire for Disney, which spent $150 million just to produce the film and tens of millions more on promotional efforts. I am very disappointed. Yeah, I'm pretty surprised about that one, too. I mean, I definitely understand. Barbie was such an unexpected smash hit. And Oppenheimer really was as well. I mean, but they're two totally separate ends of the spectrum. They've held solid in the top two for the last four weeks. So I'm going to be curious and pretty excited to see if Oppenheimer can reclaim the number two spot next weekend or will something else jump up to take its place. And now for something different. Weird and offbeat news lovers unite for I have stories for you. Delayed passengers growled after a bear escaped from a crate in a cargo hold on an Iraqi plane in Dubai. Okay, say what now? Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! Not snakes this time, just a bear. Wrong airline, Mr. Jackson. Iraq's prime minister has ordered an investigation into exactly how a bear escaped from its crate in the cargo hold of the aircraft as it was due to depart from the Dubai airport, leaving passengers disgruntled over the delay and causing quite a stir on social media. Maybe the crate was barely locked? Iraqi Airways said it wasn't to blame for the bear's escape and that the aircraft's crew worked with authorities in the United Arab Emirates which dispatched specialists to sedate the animal and remove it from the plane. A video clip circulating on social media showed the plane's captain apologizing to the passengers for the takeoff delay because of the bear's escape. Iraqi Airways said that procedures to transport the bear were carried out in accordance with the law and with procedures and standards approved by the International Air Transport Association. The airline said the bear was supposed to be flown from Baghdad to Dubai, but a person speaking on the video clip making the rounds on social media is suggesting otherwise, saying the aircraft was an hour late for its trip to Baghdad, not Dubai, and that passengers were being asked to disembark until the issue was resolved. Yeah, we've got a bear loose on the plane, but we're going to let y'all go out. Dubai International Airport is like the world's busiest for international travel, and they declined to comment on the situation. An Iraqi Airways official did confirm to the Associated Press that the bear was, in fact, being transported to the Iraqi capital. The official, who did speak on the condition of anonymity because he's not authorized to speak about this matter publicly, declined to name the animal's owner. Now, keeping predatory animals as pets in Iraq, especially in the Baghdad area, has recently become very popular among the wealthy. Authorities have been struggling to enforce the legal provisions to protect wild animals, and Baghdad's police have previously called on citizens to assist authorities in preventing such animals from being let loose on the city streets or ending up as exotic meals in restaurants by reporting such cases. Sounds like they barely have a handle on the situation. 
Waka waka. The Loch Ness Monster, also known affectionately as Nessie, is a large marine creature believed by some people to inhabit Loch Ness, Scotland. However, much of the alleged evidence supporting its existence has been discredited and is widely thought that the monster is truly just a myth. Reports of a monster inhabiting Loch Ness date back to ancient times. Notably, large local stone carvings by the Pict people depict a mysterious beast with flippers. The first written account appears in a 7th century biography of St. Columba. But it wasn't until 1934 that English physician Robert Kenneth Wilson photographed the alleged creature. The iconic image, known as the surgeon's photograph, appeared to show a monster's small head and long neck. The Daily Mail printed the photograph, sparking an international sensation. Notably, though, in 1994, it was revealed that Wilson's photograph was a hoax and the monster was actually a plastic and wooden head attached to a toy submarine. A beast! A horrible, monstrous beast! Well, maybe not quite. But that hasn't stopped monster hunters and the legend has just grown. In fact, reports are that hunters and seekers contribute about $80 million annually to Scotland's economy. And now, the Loch Ness Centre in Scotland is calling for budding monster hunters and volunteers to join in what it dubs the largest search for the Loch Ness Monster since the 1970s. The visitor attraction said this week that modern technology such as drones that produce thermal images of the lake will search the waters in a way that has never been done before. A new surface water search for the fabled Nessie is planned for the weekend of August 26th and 27th and is being billed as the largest of its kind. Since the Loch Ness Investigation Bureau studied the loch for signs of the mythical beast back in 1972. The Loch Ness Center is located in an old hotel where in 1933 manager Aldi McKay reported spotting a water beast in the loch. The largest body of freshwater by volume in the United Kingdom is also one of its deepest. The Loch Ness Center said its team will deploy the drones equipped with the infrared cameras so they can produce the thermal images of the water from the air. And a hydrophone will also be used to detect acoustic signals under the water. It's time to load up the drones, ladies. We are going Nessie hunting. So we knew the bear got loose, but we didn't know who let it out. Started looking for Nessie. Post Malone of the One Ring, Lizzo is turning into a pretty large letdown. WWE subpoenas and the return of the Biles. The news cycle is just such a fun place to be sometimes. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I do want to remind you that I do include the links to all of my sources in the comments so you can see what I see and more. And don't forget to drop a comment or send us an email if there's a story you want us to cover. Join us next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news. Remember guys, stay comfy in the starter zone. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun. Listening to The Starter Zone. 
with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in the Starter Zone.